You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. And people would constantly bring their semis to my barn and I'd be like, red barn, white barn. I have cows, not potatoes. (laughs) So you know farm animals. I mean, you've had cows and everything. I was actually named after a grand champion show cow. I really wish that I, I, I got to meet myself once. The guy brought the her in. Um, spelled. I always told mom, why did you spell my name with an I? She goes, if it's good enough for Kelly, it was good enough for you. And that's my story. Stop. <laughs> I wish, you know, you're in school and all of these kids are telling these stories of, I was named after a movie star and this. And I'm like, yeah, this is me. <laughs> Picture of a cow. Oh so if you look up hillbilly farmer in the dictionary, you, there's me. Sorry. <laughs> My brother still has the farm. My parents do. I help out as needed, but they sold the cows a few years ago. So I've had cows and ponies and goats and chickens and rabbits and have donkeys you? and you name it. We've had it. I have puppies now. That's my Do story. you miss it? Oh, yeah. Until it's snowing and blowing and icy outside. But yeah, there's nothing better than being raised on a farm. You graduated from Crestview in 93. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what? Um, Morocco. I got married and had three children. And then I, well, I worked at Roger Sale. That's where my ex-husband worked. And then I went and worked as a caregiver at West Brain Pines for four years. And then I ran EMS from then until I got hurt. Well, I got sick. And now I'm doing kind of chaplain stuff. So I'm still trying to do the thing without dying in the process. So after Whispering Pines, you went to E... Columbiana EMS. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I don't want people to get hurt, but I like to help when they do. And I got my certification in 2007. I'm still technically on the roster. I had to step down in 2019. I had to step because off the of car. Because of latex? hmm Yeah, I became my own patient a couple times, and mm. that's never good. And then you say that again, you're the chaplain? Yeah, I'm a chaplain for the Columbiana Police Department. And I am finishing up my certification to be a police mental wellness officer. I've got 40 hours left to work on, and then I'll have that certification, and I'll be doing some other stuff. I'm a critical incident stress debriefer, which is something I got through that certification. I'm kind of a first responder to the first responder. And I think I'm going to get a, another certification in chaplain this month, too, as long as I can pull it off. Greg must be an EMT person or firefighter. Firefighter EMT is my husband. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. I'm kind of, I'm driving down the road going, I'm slumming today. I'm sorry. Oh, we know. <laughs> Look at us. You're perfect. I'm like, <laughs> you're my girls. <laughs> Your kids are Morgan, Morgan, Ben, and John. Yes. Yeah, Morgan lives yeah, like in Lisbon area. Ben lives in Negley, and John lives with me. My preemie that's like six foot tall and bulletproof and <laughs> takes care of his mama. My oldest two are ten and a half months apart. I don't suggest that ever. It was not on purpose. They were going to be too early, too close to begin with, and then I was on bed rest for six weeks, and then he still came early. And then I had John. I was on bed rest for three months with him, and he was really early. And then my fourth baby died inside of me, unfortunately. Oh it would have been about the ten and a half, eleven months between them again. Man. It was a rough patch. So you found the YouTube channel, The Upper Room? I did. 
or you knew Greg? I really didn't know Greg. Okay. Very how'd you well. how'd you find us online? I was looking for just churches to listen to because COVID. I found you guys and I absolutely loved it. I fell in love with Chris's preaching and his style when he says, "Okay, we're going to do communion, and God allows us to use what we have." So my first communion was coffee and chocolate chips, <laughs> and I'll always remember that. That was my first communion with the upper room. I'm like. I don't know who you are, but you are my kind of pastor. (laughs) So I I didn't watch it every Sunday here, but when I was looking for another church, I was like, Pastor Greg, like, he's awesome. And then I loved Pastor Chris's preaching, and I was like, okay, I already have my church. I just didn't know it. You know, you look around to find which pastors you like and which ones you don't really connect with, and I love his teaching. And, like, there's so much political crap in ministry, and and I'm over that. And I have so many allergies, like I'll do communion, but I usually chase it with a side of Benadryl because <laughs> that's just life. I'm like, I can do this with coffee and chocolate. Thank you. Does Greg come to church with you at all? No, I've been hurt by churches a couple times and he's over it. And so I'm hoping someday he will, but I have to be patient. It so is. he was hurt because you were hurt? Yes. It was an indirect secondary trauma type of a thing. And mm-hmm. he does not like it when his wife is hurt. I'm like, baby, I got this. I don't go to church for people. I go to church for God, and I'll find a church. And I did. And someday, I hope. It might take a while, but that's okay. It, it is. Heroes and Halos? Mm-hmm. What? Tell me about that. Heroes and Halos is a nonprofit. After Jonathan was born, I started feeling God tell me that he needed, he wanted me to start a special needs ministry. And I knew nobody who had special needs. Like my baby was medically fragile, but he was, he didn't have special needs. I mean, he, he was very sick at that point, but he grew out of it. And I'm like, oh, and God, I, I'm not your person. And so me and him fought for like a year, me telling him no, him telling me yes. Finally, long story short, 2001 hit, you know, that was September 11th. And we found out the baby died on September 15th. And you know, it was just that type of a year. Hmm. And so I'm like, God, I can't, I can't do this. You're asking me to take on other people's burdens and I'm, I can't take on my own. And um, I told him no. And so fast forward, things started getting better. Things started working their way out. And I was like, oh, wow, this is working all right. And you know what? God hasn't bothered me about that for a long time. We must be okay. And I remember thinking for half a minute going, I wonder if that was my calling. I wonder if I missed it. And then bam, he was back. In full force in my dreams and my, you know, just you couldn't get away from it. So I was like, okay. So I talked to pastor at the time and I said, hey, you know, this is, was a Saturday. I said, this is what I feel God calling me to do. And he said, okay, good. I don't have my sermon done for tomorrow. So you're going to talk about it. And if the church is okay with it, then we'll move forward. And they were, and we moved forward with the guardian angel support group. Nine years later, I went on an EMS call. We walked into this residence. We just stopped because we got called for an 18-month-old who had pulled her trach out, like very close to the station. And we did not know there was an 18-month-old who had a trach. And we walked in the door of this residence and found that there was not one child with a trach and a ventilator. There were four children. This family is amazing. They take in and they raise medically fragile children that nobody else wants. Their room, they have a room the size of this room that is, they have nursing, they have medical supplies. And it isn't like an intensive care unit is what it really looked like when we walked in. So we, we took care of the problem. You know, you give that pause for half a second. You move on. The mom at the hospital, she grabbed me and she says, I, I don't know why, but I know that you'll pray for my baby. And I said, I will. I already am. We need to talk when we're done. And it was at that point that I was decided I wanted to do a safety day 
to find people in our community who had special needs and prepare as first responders, we could prepare for who we have in our community mm-hmm. and who the people that we see, whether they're adults or babies or whatever. That's really good. I do things backwards. I get the really big idea and then plan it and say we're going to do it. And then all my DTO people have a heart attack. So we don't always know how we're going to pay for it. And our first event, we did, we got it approved in April. And we had our first event, like I think in June or July. We had like six, 700 people show up. And it was Heroes and Halos was supposed to be a one-day safety day. It was so well received that we just went ahead and made it a nonprofit. And I talked to the pastor at the time and said, hey, I'm not doing two things. Can I put the support group underneath that and just make it all my thing? And he's like, do whatever you want to do. It's, it's totally fine. And that's kind of how we started. Everybody else is, you know, the footprints in the sand. And me and God is the butt prints in the sand because <laughs> I sit down and, Dragging. No, and he grabs me by the ankle and he drags me. And, and eventually I get up and walk beside him. I'm not proud of that, but it's my story. (laughs) So were you doing ministry at a church? Sort of. I always wanted to have a like full special needs ministry. It never really took off. It didn't have, you know, everybody loves Kelly's kids, but not everybody is called to do that. Mm -hmm. And so we have our support group. We've been doing that for like 17 years now. What is Um, that called? Guardian Angels Support Group. And we generally meet at Dutch House, but due to COVID, we're still doing it online. Like our first Christmas event, we had been given a black garbage bag and it had matchbox cars and Barbie dolls, like the little Dollar General stuff. And then we had chicken nuggets and fish sticks and French fries. And that was our first Christmas dinner as a family, you know, a a Guardian Angels family. And it's kind of grown a little bit since then, but kind of just just a little bit. It's been a work in progress and we've had a lot of, I don't want to say redos, but you evolve as things go on and things, life changes and so this is what year? 17, I think. I started Heroes and Halos in 2012. It was our first safety day. So, And is that every year you do it? It is an annual thing as long as we're able to do it. I don't know how to say this word. Psycho... Psychophysiology. Okay. Ooh, we got some big ones Psycho- tonight. <laughs> I did not know that was a thing. I had been wanting to do the critical incident stress debriefing for a long time. I kept asking, you know, can I do this? Can I get this certification? And I kept getting a kind of a runaround. I don't have a college education, so I am not the top person that people like to dump a lot of money in, which I understand. And so finally, I listened to this thing online. It was a, a training and it was like listening to police officers and firefighters and EMS and dispatchers and stuff and talking about how, you know, nobody cares about them and how they go out and they see the worst of all worst things and they're just expected to go home and be fine because it's their job, which is a reality. No, this is wrong. And so, you know, I've been trying and I have done part of Heroes and Halos we do is we go out and sometimes train first responders. So I had done two really, really big trainings that I was really out of my comfort zone for. And this woman, she used to be the head of the CE for EMS in the state. So I'm like, hey, I need this. You know, can you help me do this? And she says, let me make a few phone calls. And um, within an hour, she messaged me back and was like, hey, here's this Dr. Perkins and here's his information. And I was set up the very next day to do this course. And while we were talking, he's like, you know, I really like your passion, your drive. Why don't you do this placement and wellness course? I'm like thinking, oh, yeah, another, you know, week long thing. I can do that. And then he's like, okay, well, the county paid for it for me because I didn't have the money and wow. I'm, I'm working through them. And, and um, he's like, okay, well, you're now a student at the College of Psychophysiologists. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Does that become like a associates thing if you're there for a year and a half? It's just a certification. No, it's wow. you do it, but you do it on your own time. There's a lot of videos, a lot of learning, a lot of listening, a lot of trying to retain, and um, a lot of the classes were master's level. I'm not master of anything. <laughs> so just kind of trying to soak it all in and, and learn it and run with it. Can't like see your face. Right. Surprise. It looks so professional it in does, here. It does. It's like contraption. Well, yeah, I walked in. I was like, wow, look at you girls go. I used, to, I used to tell people, it's just like having coffee with us around the table. And now it's not. Well, it still is. You just got a flesh water in front of you. That's all. Yeah, right? <laughs> it looks very professional. It does. It, it looks does. very professional. I still think Jonathan would hate the table and the chairs. but Well, I'm waiting for him to buy us. Thank you. set. Jonathan. Are you listening? Probably not. Hello. But anyhow, Megan is. Probably Megan. Not. <laughs> Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell your husband. Where's his offer? That's I like that because she is listening. Hello, Megan. Hello, Megan. Hello, Megan. <laughs> Jonathan, where's our new furniture? <laughs> Give me my chair. Christmas comes early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you only got a couple weeks left. Don't say that. To spend it all and for Christmas. I mean, if he's going to oh. get the chairs, he better start shopping. That's right. And time to wrap. <laughs> I want these chairs wrapped. <laughs> Not just a bow in a garbage bag, right? No. <laughs> I want the real deal. Anyways, hello over there. Hello, hello. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Bethy. It's Katie again. And we're here with Kelly. Kelly Hepner. Welcome, Kelly. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Kelly was born and raised outside of Letonia on a dairy farm. She grew up wanting to be just like her dad and be a dairy farmer. <laughs> she graduated from Crestview High School. She worked at Rogers, and when she was 21, she married. Worked at Rogers in high school. Did you? Yeah, we made food and sold hoagies. And Who'd you work for? My dad. Who's your dad? Dave Perkins. I knew that. I know that. Anyways, <laughs> we had hoagies and hot dogs and fresh fries. All the high school kids loved it because they came around for free food. Right? Anyways, sorry. So go there ahead. you go. Her and her husband had four babies under three years. Her last baby died in the womb. I was about 15 weeks pregnant when I went Mm. for an ultrasound. We found that the baby had had passed away. So that was a heartbreak, but she did have three beautiful children. Mm -hmm. Are they all boys? Uh, My daughter is. Actually, I have my daughter and four nephews and two sons. So it's just one girl in the family. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's first. I bet she's cool. She is. Her kids are in their early 20s, Morgan, Ben, and John. She was married for 15 years and got divorced. She was also a caregiver at Whispering Pines and studied for her EMT certification Mm -hmm. at CCCTC. Mm -hmm. That is a mouthful. Triple CTC. To get her certification for EMS. I loved it. I loved every minute. Well, most most minutes of it. I cried when I had to step down. I, even now, I want to do it. It just got as other plans. She started working for the EMS in 2007 and was privileged to do that occupation until 2019, mm-hmm. when unfortunately she had to step down because of a rare latex allergy that she discovered. How did you figure that out? Well, I've always had it, but just a little bit. Like, yeah, mom said even like diapers is little. I used to be allergic to carpet and just a lot of weird things, watch bands and stuff like that. Um, but I always was able to just work through it and live through it and whatever. On my birthday in 2019, I went to a retirement party and walked in the door of the building and I didn't even get 10, 15 feet in the room or in the building and went into anaphylaxis. 
and it was because there was like 400 plus balloons in another part of the room that we never even got to. So I'm airborne anaphylaxis. Um, that was my first time. And then I went into anaphylaxis a couple of days later when we walked into a shoe store. I've had to use um, Epi eight or 10 times between now and then. And it just got to the point where I became my own patient on the ambulance twice. And when you are the one who's supposed to be caring for other people, poinsettias are very bad for me. So we're like Christmas time walking into people's houses and buildings and stuff because poinsettias have natural latex. If you break off a leaf. And so, what? you know, that things you learn, you know, that or you walk past gloves or cut off a coat of somebody and you know, down coats apparently have latex buried inside of them. It's just things that you don't expect to try to kill you that do. So life has been very interesting. I give my husband all the credit in the world because our life has totally changed in the last three years. Mm. But it is what it is. She met her husband. Greg. Her current husband, Greg. She's been married (laughs) almost five years. On Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. is their anniversary. She's still studying to be a policeman wellness officer. She's 40 hours away from her certification. Yeah. She's finishing up this certification in police mental wellness at the College of Certified Psychophysiologists. Mm -hmm. That is a mouthful. She started a nonprofit 17 years ago called Guardian Angels Support Group. We started the ministry in 2003-ish, and then um, it just finally, I say it grew up, it just developed into a nonprofit um, in 2012. That's when we started with our first safety day, and we actually got our nonprofit in 2014. But it just, it grew, and it blossomed as something that we never dreamt that it would. We'll hear more about heroes and halos on this interview. Kelly loves gardening, canning, Mm -hmm. reading, and music. Mm -hmm. What kind of music do you like? Praise and worship, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, country music and praise and worship. Kelly is really new to the upper room. She started attending in person in June 2021 but she found us online was an online listener to our sermons during the pandemic so Mm -hmm. that was one of the blessings that came from the pandemic i don't know that i would have ever Mm -hmm. stepped in the doors you know so that was that was a great thing so some good things have come of that we are excited about you being here and getting to know you more today kelly Mm -hmm. thanks for having me so kelly tell us who or what turned your light on when I was when I was little, I don't ever remember going to church. My mom said we used to go when I was like really little. But like from the very earliest ideas of God and stuff, I had a little a little lamp in my room that had the "Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep" prayer written on it. And my mom would come in and say, you know, have me say the prayer with her every night, the precious moment lamp. And so you know that was the beginning of it. And then like, I didn't really do anything with church. God literally found me. My salvation story is very kind of strange, but I I was dealing with a very difficult situation as a teenager, and I had talked to a trusted adult, and I didn't get anywhere, and I was really hurt because of how it went. So I remember going going home and walking out across the street, and it's the middle of the night, and a full moon. I was in my neighbor's alfalfa field. I'm walking around, and I'm like, God, I want to talk to my grandma, because my grandma had passed away a few years before, and I knew grandma would understand. And God had my grandma. I'm like, God, I want to talk to grandma. And so I'm out there and I'm just pouring my heart out. And before you know it, I'm like asking God to forgive me for everything and asking him to come into my life. And I didn't know where that came from because I didn't know that was what I needed to do. So I, I did and I felt better. Fast forward 10 years, I'm reading a Christian fiction book by Lori Wick. And, and I realized through the reading that book that there was this thing called salvation. 
And, you know, I'm like flipping through the book to try to find how to get it. And I dropped the book because I realized that I had been saved for 10 years and didn't know it. Nobody can tell me that there is any question of God because how could how could somebody who's not there walk you through that step 10 years before in the middle of a hayfield on a full moon night? And so I felt very honored. I still feel honored that God reached down in my darkest moment, one of my darkest moments. You know, ever since then, I'm like, God, I don't know why you chose me, but he did. And so um do anything I can to try to give back to him. What did your journey look like when you were a teenager and you made that decision and asked Jesus into your heart when you were like, like did you did you follow it up with I, I did talking it. to people about it or plugging no. into anything or reading a Bible? Or? Um, my cousin, she kind of knew what was going on. And so she encouraged me to I love to sing in the choir. So she's like, hey, you know, why don't you come to church with me and you'll sing in a choir with me? So I, I joined church to sing in the choir only. And so I like I went to church every Sunday, but I didn't really pay attention. I didn't commit to it because I didn't know it was a thing. I just I just went. It wasn't until, you know, God was working on me. I'm a work in progress. So he's got to chisel away sometimes. But we finally got there. I'm very thankful. And one, I think it was, you know, once I realized what God had done out in that hayfield, that it was more of a real thing that, that he was chasing me. And then I just needed to stop running and ignoring him. And, you know, and even through life, like I've done a lot of things in ministry, you know, God shows you sometimes that you, hey, you have to stop living, you know, a forgiven life and you have to live a surrendered life. And that's kind of where he's had me just in the past year. All right, you need to stop. And I like that. we need to adjust. That topic just keeps coming up. It does. We, Elisa talked about it at our women's conference about, mm-hmm. you know, are you giving Jesus lordship over your life? Not just like, hey, I want to be your friend, but are you surrendering to him and giving him yeah. lordship? Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, he, God is like, you know, yeah, you're forgiven, but when are you going to give me all the control? As we've talked earlier, I'm a butt prince in the sand type of a girl. <laughs> and I love that too, that your life since what did you say 16 mm-hmm. that your life since 16 has been a process i just feel like so often we want everything quickly in a nice wrap box over and over these stories are god found me but mm-hmm. the process was decades you know and how i mean we like to think about god being the god of now breakthrough mm-hmm. bah, you know but suddenly yeah suddenly I like to look at myself as like the Grand Canyon. You know, that didn't happen at once. That was a little river that went like for yes. however long and finally got to where it needed to be and got down all the layers of what it needed to do. And I think that's exciting, though, to hear testimonies like this, because as parents praying for your kids or praying for a friend that's not saved or that's curious, but that God still answers prayers, even if it mm-hmm. takes a long time. And the process is not a bad thing, even though sometimes <laughs> we think process events are terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and the Lord showed me that he waits for me too. I, and another really cool God story was after we lost the baby, I was really struggling I because I had to have a hysterectomy and the baby died in September and I had a hysterectomy in December. Mm-hmm. So there was no trying again. It was like, you know, it was always like, God, just give me a Moses baby. Just leave a baby on the porch. I'll love it forever. And fast forward like hundreds of babies later, be careful what you pray for. You know, I've <laughs> got my, my ministry. But at the time, I was really stuck on that. I was really grieving hard and mm-hmm. grieving alone. 
And I remember I was outside push mowing one afternoon and I had my baby monitor hook my shirt because my youngest was on an apnea monitor because he would stop breathing all the time. So I had the monitor hooked up to the monitor and my other my older two kids were two and three and they were in the house sleeping, whatever. And I had to push mow and I'm just out there praying. I'm like, God, you know, I'm crying. I'm like, God, I just want another baby. I just, I just want another baby. And how do I do this? And finally everything got really dark and I'm like, I'm like, am I passing out? It just like black. And I was able to see this book and it was like a leather, leather bound book. And the pages were like cream color and the pages were blank. There was at the bottom, it just said to be continued. And I honestly felt God telling me, when are you going to give in to me? You can't go back. That part of your story, I have shut that chapter for you. You can't move forward on your life until until you stop that. But you, you're stuck here and you can't go forward and you can't go backwards. You're just right here. I need you to know that I love you and I'm going to stay right here with you until you're ready. When you're ready, I need you to turn the page. And anybody who would have been seeing me would have thought I was crazy because I like literally reached out and I turned the page. And it was at that point that I said yes to God that I would start the ministry. Just to know that He will come to us in our darkest moments and He will wait with us right there and give us that to be continued. But that's hard sometimes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. So tell us about the ministry that He had been laying on your heart. It was really weird because I love it when people tell me I can't do things. I need that in my life. And so I, I decided I was going to start a ministry for families of kids with special needs. So I started a support group and I called all of these people and all of the people were like, well, you have to pick one disability. You can't just have special needs. And I'm like, well, why? Well, you have to pick like Down syndrome or autism. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. I don't care who you are. You know, we have parents who come who have children who they're pregnant with. They find out that there's something wrong or, you know, or people who are my grandparents' age who have special needs and their families come. I don't, I don't care who you are, what you have. Um, we're going to love you anyhow. In my first meeting, I made this 80-cup pot of coffee and bought like five dozen donuts because I'm thinking if God is going to badger me for a year over doing this, he's going to like flood the church with all of the stuff. And I sat by myself for like six months. I had this one woman who she came. She said, I want to help you start this. And then she finally looked at me. She goes, this isn't going to take off. You need to just quit. I'm like, I can't. God has fought with me. So for six months, I sat by myself. And finally, I had one mom show up. And then she brought a couple other moms. So it's been a process of waiting and trusting and knowing that he's going to bring the families to us. And, you know, as we find needs, one of my vice presidents is a licensed social worker and she works for the county. And so we're we're very blessed because we are considered now as a, an agency within the community. So we can work alongside the county organizations and and walk together. And it's nice because they can't talk God. I can kick the door and talk God all day long. You know, that's that's my job. But, you know, we go and we sit and we um, do, we can sit up wraparound meetings and help families as a natural support. And we can do um, sit with IEP meetings for foster kids because I'm a surrogate for that. It's just grown so much in different things that, and realistically, all, all we're doing is loving people. And I never realized you could actually start a business loving people. I mean, how crazy is that? That's just who we are. It's nice to be able to bring that God aspect into places where he might not be able to, he might not be welcome, or they might not legally be able to talk about him, but. And that's the guardian that's angel the, support group. That's the whole, the whole is heroes and halos. And I did the guardian angel support group for nine years. And we reached more people in one day of heroes and halos than we had in nine years of a support group. 
it was kind of frustrating, but cool all at the same time. You know, going to a support group is sometimes hard because you have to let your guard down. You know, we've had parents who have come and said that they had they had something on the newspaper, a clipping on their refrigerator for six months before they were able to come or, you know, things like that. Or it's just, it's humbling to realize that people are going to be willing to trust you with their hardest moments and their stories. And um, there's so many people, one of my favorite things to do is people walk in and be like, hey, welcome to the family. Because one thing we have found is people are, you know, their families either rally around them when they have a child with special needs or they disappear. You do have a happy medium, but it's usually one way or the other. And especially my foster families and my adoptive families, we have a lot of families that they share that their own family have been like, you know what, I can't take, I can't take these kids because a lot of the foster kids are broken because of the life that they've lived. And um, they're like, this is your choice. We're not going to have any part of your life. And they walk away. We love to be able to be their family. And that's why we started the Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving dinner, because for so many of these families, when we have those meals and we sit down together, even though there's two, three hundred people there and kids screaming and running and playing and doing all the things kids should be doing, you're still together. A lot of our families don't have the ability to cook or they may not know how to cook. They may not have the funding to get the food to cook. And so they would be like, you know, this is their one Thanksgiving meal, their one home cooked Christmas meal. And, you know, it's just meeting them where they are and loving them and showing them that they do have a family, even if the family isn't what they thought it would be. And one of the reasons why you're here now is because we get the opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about and plug what's happening really Mm -hmm. soon, which is the Heroes and Halos Thanksgiving meal. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. We are very honored that you guys are letting us do that here this year. And um, it's just such a blessing. And COVID has made it so a lot of our families can't gather together for that two or 300 people in a room. So we're going to be doing our Thanksgiving drive through dinner. Last year, we served 450 people at our dinner. We were not prepared for that. We were expecting like 200 people. And so it was just a little bit more. But we also serve... You know, turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and corn and rolls and dessert, you know, cookies and, and stuff like that. So everybody gets whatever they need. And last year we had some group homes that came and they, they got like 100 meals for their families and was able to take it to their folks because we love our folks in the group homes too. It's just wonderful to be able to celebrate the kids we love because we've not been able to see the kids a whole lot. And so the kids will come in their cars and they'll sit and they'll wave to us, at least they did last year. And we've had a few families who are like, can we eat here? Like, will you stand over there and talk to us while we eat so we can have dinner with you? Absolutely. But we fill out our angel tree forms at that event. We do Christmas gifts for kids with special needs and their siblings. We've had up to 400 plus kids on our tree. Last year, we were very blessed. We had like, I think it's like 305, something like that on the tree because all of the organizations went together and we kind of helped each other out. But we love just finding the kids that God brings to us in the families because there are so many times that around Christmas time, you find those families that have nothing. You find those families who, and like when I say nothing, I mean nothing. And God is amazing. He has done so many miracles. I I just call it the miracles of Christmas, the entire season from Thanksgiving on. Because even from like right now, we had a gentleman who he texted me today and said, hey, I want to donate 10 turkeys for families who are in need. Okay. Yes, please. Sure. So what date is the Thanksgiving um, dinner? It is November 20th from noon until 4. We do generally about 150, 160 pounds of turkey and about 100 pounds of ham. 
So it's not necessarily anything that the families have to register for. <laughs> if they have been a part of the Heroes and Halos community, all of those yeah. people just come and show up as a... People don't have to register um, at all. It's just something that we just prepare and trust that God's going to make it work. And he always has. He always stretches it to the very last the last bite. So if there's anyone out there who's listening who would be interested in helping or volunteering for that time, are you looking for volunteers? We are. We will be cooking turkey and ham and such things um, here on Friday night from 3 until 8-ish. So that's November 19th. November 19th. And then we'll get here on Saturday morning about 9 and we'll be cooking and preparing and the dinner will start at noon and go till 4 and then we'll be clean up afterwards. And, and it's a drive through It is a drive through So yeah, people will be coming in and we'll be, if you want to help cook or pack bags or help fill out angel tree tags and, you know, visit with the families while they're in their cars, everything's appreciated. It's great. It's, so it's we've been fun. doing angel tree I don't think that's the same. It's not. Okay. Well, it's not. Um, we started our angel tree the very first year we did the guardian angels with that. It started as that little garbage bag full of toys. And then it just started off as, it started off as just giving Christmas gifts to our kids that were part of the ministry. And then we started finding kids who were very needy, who had yes. special needs in the community. And I say, once we really started working with the county, it was another way of God being able to minister to them. And we have an organization that we do that called the Student Ambassadors. And so we teach high school and college students how to make a difference in the lives of other people. And these poor kids, we work them hard from Thanksgiving until the day after Christmas because we've gone shopping on Christmas morning, you know, Christmas Eve. And we're like, all right, found a family. Let's go. They are amazing. And it, it's, it's nice to watch kids really want to provide for other people. You know, there are a lot of people give kids a bad rap, but we have some amazing young youngsters in our family. So mm -hmm. back up a little bit, Kelly, and tell us, you know, you're obviously passionate about helping special needs kids. Mm -hmm. Tell us when that started lighting you up. It wasn't until God grabbed me by the ankle and drugged me along. I didn't know. I guess that's not even true. When I was in school, we had some kids who had special needs, and I always tried to befriend them. It was just something I don't like to see people hurt. I don't like to see them left out. I don't like to see them feeling excluded. And so I would always go over to them and sit and visit or, you know, be nice or try to do little things. And But it was never something that I ever really looked at doing. It wasn't until Jonathan was born. And when he was born, I was on bed rest with him for three months. And then he was born. And when he was born, he was about five weeks early and was straight into the intensive care unit. And we almost lost him that first day. Like I held him. They were pushing me back to my room and everybody kept looking and saying, and I don't know, this baby doesn't look right. And I remember they were pushing me into my room and this elderly nurse was, she walked by to smile at this new baby and she ripped him out of my arms and went running down the hall yelling, baby blue, baby Harding is crashing. And so like, that was my first moment of a, a mother of child with special needs. And he's totally, he's totally fine now. He's like six foot tall and bulletproof. But at that moment, I realized how lonely it would be. And like I had people who came to visit us at the intensive care unit and they would run out of the room because of his needs. People would show up to visit us and they would never come back because he cried all the time. He was on 28 doses of medicine a day. He's on a apnea monitor. He was very sick. It was hard. I realized how lonely it can be as a parent of a child with special needs. That's not okay. It's really not because, you know, you can be the most amazing person in the world and have this, this child and you have no idea what you're getting into. And some of our families really live difficult lives. 
I can't make it better for them. I can't take their problems away. I would if I could, but I can't. But I can love you through it. I can sit and talk to you on the phone. I can do a Zoom. I can come to the hospital and visit you. We can do meetings together, whatever. But sometimes just having somebody walk alongside you is all that you really need. My favorite thing to do is if you have something that they need and you were able to provide that for them, just reminding them, hey, you know what? God saw your heart and he sees your tears and God loves you. And he wants you to know that because you're getting this, whatever this is, that God loves you so much. He provided this for you. And just trying to give them, because that's the truth, and you know, just trying to plug that love of God into their hearts. Because so many times people think that because of the disability or the injury or whatever it is, they think that God's mad at them. (laughs) It's like, no, you know, God knew who your child was. You know, we have it in our minds what, what perfect looks like. But God has a different view of what perfect looks like. We have a, um, a program called Carter's Bags of Love. And it was started by Carter's mommy. And Carter is seven-ish. And um, he has got a developmental age of maybe a three or four month old. He has seizures all the time. He will never sit up. He'll never talk. He'll never do the things. He smiles so pretty. His mommy has had, he's been life flighted and rushed to the hospital so many times with his, his life. She decided that she wanted to start Carter Specs of Love through Heroes and Halos. She's one of my board members. And so we put together these bags that you can give to parents when they have a child who has been brought into the emergency room. And it's toiletries for the family. Things that you don't, if you're outside working and you don't take things for yourself. And when you go to a children's hospital, they don't have adult things. They have baby things. And so because of Carter being the perfect child that he is, he's able to help other parents that are going through that same thing through his mommy. You know, that's that's just one of the things that, you know, your little Carter's changing so many people's lives just by being him. We we look at it and we have to do so much and we, we really don't. And just how amazing it is that the people who have experienced those moments, oh my gosh, like the Carter bag, Mm -hmm. they take that, they use it as a learning experience and then make it better for the families who then Mm -hmm. experience that same thing. That's so beautiful. That would, but that it's experiential. Mm -hmm. So they know what other people need. I feel like that's just an example really of God's goodness to us. Mm -hmm. You know, he's so kind in that, you know, he's with us and he walks with us through all of these moments. Mm -hmm. He doesn't promise an easy life, Mm -hmm. but he promises to walk with us. And how beautiful it is when there's people who have walked these steps, but are so generous Mm -hmm. and loving that they think about instead of themselves, which Mm -hmm. they could, they think about what could I do to ease the next family that Mm -hmm. comes in. Oh my gosh. And looking at Rhonda, that's there's Carter's mommy and you know, she doesn't have an easy life. Carter still has all of his his things, you know, he still has all of his health issues, but she's like, "All right." And Billy her um she's a co-chair and she has a child with special needs too. And so sometimes they're both have kids in the hospital or they both are, you know, can't do it and other people can run stuff up, but it's just watching the people who are in the trenches helping other people in the trenches Mm -hmm. and showing them that, hey, you'll never get over it or whatever, but hey, I got to the other side of this today. I want to show you that there's help and that there's hope and that we can do this together. And just forming that family and legitimately it, it, it is a family and that's what it needs to be. And oh my gosh, I was just having this conversation today with someone I was having coffee this morning at Generations and we were talking about the church community in the book of Acts and what marked them was that they shared their lives. I mean, they shared everything. They gave what they had and they gave it to the church and they gave to each other. But it was so marked by generosity and giving of yourselves. And there were lots of people who were struggling and 
-hmm. It was a very tumultuous time, but they were marked because they were so good to each other. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being an example of that. Oh, thank you. You're all doing this from wherever you are. We're homeless. Do you need a building? I do. All right. Well, speaking of sharing, if anyone's listening. Right. (laughs) Kelly needs a building for Heroes and Halos. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm struggling right now to find future space for all this stuff. We'll get there. So you're letting your light shine right now, leading this nonprofit, Heroes and Halos. Tell us what the mission statement is for that. We are a nonprofit organization that provides awareness, education, and outreach programs to the public regarding individuals with special needs and disabilities. And we kept it very vague so we would never have to leave somebody out. And how can our listeners and our church help support this mission? You know what? If, if we're doing a program or a project, it's something that you know the Lord's laid on your heart. We'd love to have you help out. You like cooking, you like serving, you like play with kids, you like do crafts, you like to help with anything, or you know maybe you just want to donate something. You know, like I said, we have hundreds of kids on the angel tree. You know, we're always looking for people to adopt one of the kids or however many, and we do food baskets for our families as well for those who need it. And last year, I think we gave out like seventy-five food baskets. Got some families that are very needy. It's very sad situations. And so we have tons of ways to help out. And see, we, we don't have a building. Everything we do is 100% volunteer. So, you know, don't have to worry about the money going to the wrong spot. It's just, you know, goes to, to the families that we have. Do you primarily serve families in Columbiana County or? We do pretty much. If you can get here, we do it. Mahoney County. We usually have our, our support groups at Dutch House, and that's in Mahoning County. So, you know, it's it's oh, nice. technically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a big loophole Kelly uses all say, the time. <laughs> did I realize that? That does help. So, yeah, Columbiana County, Mahoning County. We have a family who lives in Stark County, and they are very much um, need a lot of love. And so it's not that far away. Family's family. You know, all of my family doesn't live next door, and I don't expect all of them to live next door, too. So, you know, we always say if you can get here, you're part of our family, and Another great thing about, you know, the whole COVID Zoom thing is we've had support group meetings with parents who were in Akron Children's and Intensive Care, and we've got families who are four hours away were able to do things. So it's just really cool. So can we put in the show notes? Do you have an email? Yeah, I have an email. I have a lot of squirrels. I apologize. Oh, no, I think it's so interesting. I love being able to talk about this. This is so good because people need to know. It's Mm -hmm. so good. Uh, anything else you're passionate about outside of Heroes and Halos? And- Just taking care of my first responders. That is something that God's really laid on my heart over the last few years. And you got to take care of those who are taking care of everybody else. And so that's God's just kicking down doors and saying, you will do this. Mm-hmm. And as, as the chaplain for the Columbiana Police Department, you get that opportunity to... I was very honored when they asked because I worked alongside my officers forever and we know each other. And it's nice because I don't have to pretend to be anybody. I'm not. They've seen me at my best. They've seen me at my worst. And so it's, I'm the hillbilly of the department. They've always called me that. So it's nice. I could just come as me. Was that an opportunity that opened up for you after you had to lay down the EMS because of your allergies? It was funny because I had asked before, I said, hey, you know, I'd like to do this whole chaplain thing. And they're like, oh, well, we'll think about it, whatever. And I was always the person that if something needed done with families, it was always kind of a, they just look at me and I do my thing. And so in, I'm going to say, I think it was November the year before, I was got the given the opportunity to take the chaplain course. And they told me like, yeah, you know, probably never use you because we don't use our chaplains very often, but, you know, go ahead and do it. And at that point, it was a rotation of myself and a whole bunch of pastors. And because we didn't get used very much or it wasn't what they thought 
thought it would be. Most of them fell off the list and I got called out multiple times. And it's nice because there are some things that are just hard for a non-first responder to respond to and work with and try to talk to families about it and be just how I've lived that life and understand their roles and the things that go on and can't handle it. They would call me not a pat on my back. We're just comfortable working with each other. So I think that played a lot of into the role of, you know, you, you don't want to traumatize the helpers when they come in to help. And so um, when they asked me if I would be willing to do it, I was very honored because I like working alongside them and, and helping people. You, like, you don't want to have somebody to have the worst day of their life. And afterwards, somebody needs to be there to help them and walk alongside the officers and make sure we can do it together as a team and then follow up with, you know, if need be with your first responders to make sure they're okay. And as a family, you take care of family. Well, yeah, you have shared some supernatural stories. Mm-hmm. Is there one specifically that stands out that you would like to share? It's humbling to be doing things. And again, thank you, Pastor Chris, for one of his sermons. Are you going to live a Are you going to live a forgiven life, or are you going to finally live a surrendered life? Those things aren't me because I like to do things my way. <laughs> it's just God sitting there, tapping his foot, giving you the look of Are you done? And how patient he is with oh, us, yeah, even when we... Um, I had a situation where I was very bitter, and I don't do anger well. I, I'm not a, a person who gets mad very often. I'm not a person who gets bitter, and I was in a season of bitterness over a, a situation, and the Lord really kicked my butt, and we worked together, you know, and he pretty much showed me how deep that root is. You know, you got your, your root of some pretty flowers that are really shallow, and then you get that root of a thistle. And you ever look at a root of a thistle, it's like this long. That's where it was at. And it kept going down and down and down. And just the fact that he's willing to show you what your sins are. And he's willing to say, okay, this isn't okay. Let's do this together. But it has to be a conscience effort. And you've been trying to do this by yourself for however long. It's not working. When are you going to ask for help? And I don't ask for help well. But it's, again, it's another one of those situations where he sits there and he just, I'm waiting. What did that process look like after you asked him for help and asked him to help you pull that root of bitterness out? I sat down and um, read the Bible cover to cover. And I got to the, the part in where um, Moses strike the rock when he was told not to. And he didn't get to the promised land because he was told to speak to the rock. And he struck the rock. And I realized what my anger and what my bitterness was permitting me from. And so by reading through the Bible, the Leviticus, <laughs> the Lamentations, he was able to walk alongside with me. And it was more, I think it was a more of a obedience. We will do this together. And anytime I started thinking about the situation, I don't know if anybody's ever, you know, you're mad at something or someone and you just pray God tell them that they have to or, you know, make the And so any prayer that I had, any prayer that I prayed for this, and I prayed for them, but any prayer that I prayed for this person or this situation, God made me also pray the same exact prayer to myself, not to myself, but over about myself. Yourself. And that was very humbling. So I had to pray that same prayer about myself. And it showed me that the field was level because nobody's perfect. I have many sins that need forgiven. Then I had to pick up my Bible because if I had time to be upset at somebody, I had time to read and spend time in the Word. And that was, it was good. And then when you find yourself stepping back to another sprout, you do that same prayer. And, you know, just, he gave me some tools 
I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not, you know, but that's where he was like, this is what you're going to do. Don't beat the rock. Don't you just love it, though, that like God doesn't want to leave us where we are because he has he has a better plan mm-hmm. for our lives than sometimes what we end up finding ourselves in. He loves you no matter what. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. But he doesn't want to leave us stuck in our sin there and stuck in pain. He has a better plan for us. He sure does. And we're blessed. We are so blessed. Well, Kelly, it's been great having you here and learning about your nonprofit, Heroes and Halos. And we will put some information in the show notes. If you are interested in volunteering or helping out with the Thanksgiving dinner, it's coming up November 20th, 2021 from 12 to 4 at the Upper Room Fellowship. Kelly could use some help cooking on Friday night and cooking Saturday morning. So if you're interested in that, email the link below. Reach out to Kelly. Thank you so much. I just really appreciate, I mean, I don't know you well, but I think my first experience of you was at a CCMA meeting. And I remember leaving thinking, man, you really love people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw the way that you were with the pastors and just the way that you were with Chief Myers. And it just on you that I was marked leaving. Like I left the room thinking about how you care for people around you. That is just, it's amazing how you care for the first responders and you just love people and want to serve them. I just feel like you're a rare example of someone that just kind of like pours out of. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. It's a lot. Keeps me out of trouble sometimes. Gets me into trouble other times. <laughs> Do you still farm at all? Not as much. It's just my brother is as his his baby. You know, my brother does help with our ministry. My mom and dad does too now too. So it's great doing things with the family. Well, thanks, Kelly. Make mm-hmm. sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.